Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Help Me Buy Property Podcast. In the episode today, we are talking about how to create real estate business via property investing, be it passive property investing, transitioning into active property investing. In this topic today, we'll talk about these transitions and why is development an important part of these transitions or property development an important part of these transitions. Stay tuned and keep listening to the very end. Thank you very much. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Help Me Buy Property Podcast. Today, I have my co-host, Cheryl Leong, with me today. Well, when you're talking about the business of real estate or creating businesses out of property investing, what you're basically doing is you're transitioning yourself from, you know, buy and hold strategies that pretty much the first time investors would engage in. And what you're doing now is you're going into more buy, hold and develop or buy, hold and renovate strategies. And, and, and typically when you talk about all of these strategies, uh, there are three key things that comes into play. And we'll go into a lot more detail, but very high level, there are three key things that comes into play. So you're talking about yield, growth and return. And so for the listeners, yield is, of course, annualized you know, rental that you would get as a percentage of the property. So whatever rent it is. Growth is something that the market delivers to you, you know, while you wait for that, you know, demand to go higher, the supply to go low, and people start paying more for particular areas. The return is something that is literally very less spoken of, and that's the key to the transition. So return is where you are talking about manufacturing your own equity. Now, return could be as simple as you converting a three-bedroom, one-bathroom to a four-bedroom, two-bathroom. Return could be as simple as you building a granny flat at the back. But return could be as complex as you taking a full side, dropping the house and building four townhouses or eight townhouses or 10 um, or doing a massive land subdivisions. And so return could mean a lot of different things. And what you're doing there is Mm. you're not depending on the market to deliver the growth to you. What you're doing is you are creating your own profits at your own free will through property developments. And that's where you are almost creating a business of real estate via property investing. I call it a transition from passive property investing to an active property investing. Mm. And so I think it, it, the important question here is that who would be the key people for those this transition makes sense? Who are the people who would be looking for this transition to happen, like from buy and hold? Because it's not, we, we know that this transition is not for everyone, like, right? And, and we'll talk about is on the north side in, in episode two. And for listeners who are tuning in, you know, this is part one of the, of the episode. And so in the first episode, we are talking more about who does the transition makes sense for. Okay. And so let's talk about that here a little bit. I would say when number one would be the PAYG income earners. They would be at the top rank, at the top of the, the list when you're talking about transitions, because these are the people who wants to kill um, their single income dependency of, you know, paycheck to paycheck living or, mm. uh, you know, living for the bills coming into the post. You know, these are the people who would be like, ah, I don't think that I can do any other business. This property is something that I can do so easily because I'm already investing in that, right? Yeah, that's a really easy, well, I, I say easy, but not, not, not so. It does start with whether the, a PAYG um, person is willing to sort of go, I'm going to now take control over the future of my 
my property business and really go, what does that entail? And do I have the capacity? I guess that's, that's something that we'll dis- discuss. But there's being able to say, hey, as a PAYG, you've got the serviceability to be able to purchase more properties. But then again, your serviceability is going to be, it's got a ceiling. It's got a ceiling as well, right? So we want to be able to go, okay, well, if we create another business, another income stream that's going to push up your serviceability, then the PAYGs are the, the, the easiest cab off rent. But it does come down to that initial willingness and the desire yes. to actually go, I'm going to get a bit uncomfortable because it does involve a bit extra effort. It does involve, it does mean that outside of your day to day, you're going to have to, to be creating this other income stream and other business. So I think that's Definitely. the first part yeah. of the to, to sort of think, okay, well, am I okay? You know, am I, am I comfortable just sort of doing the buy and hold? Or am I ready to be able to challenge myself and then take it to another level? And there's no judgment in here. It's, it's horses yeah. for horses for everyone. It's everyone's priorities, right? It comes down to the priorities. So I'd say it's the first thing for the PAYGs is to anyone really wanting to, to look at making that transition is, are you committed? Are you committed to actually creating this other stream of, of, of income to more a, a property business? to increase your wealth and, and income. Definitely. And you're, you're absolutely right. I think risk and dedication and the commitment comes at the top end when you're talking about creating this, um, this business on the side. Of course, the, one of the reasons that, you know, the PAYGs are the first cap of the ranks is because, you know, these are the people who would usually not have any other businesses on the side. And so, of course, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side, especially when I talk to, PAYG income earners, you know, they are so excited about starting up their own business or creating their own business. And you see, you know, people attending a lot, a lot of property courses or property development courses in anticipation that, okay, maybe that's the foot in the door for them to be called, you know, business owners. Okay. And, and that's a good excitement. That's, that's, the, that's an amazing thing to do. But of course, you know, it's very, very important that you are, they understand the risk appetite as well. The other thing also when you're talking yeah. about people who would transition are people who are quite actively thinking about their retirement planning. Of course, again, this is an extension of, you know, people with uh, finite income. So, you know, and I call it business owners who have infinite income because they have infinite possibilities. People who are dependent or working in other businesses almost have bounds to their income as to how much they can grow every year. Okay? Because what they're doing is they're using their hours and trading it towards salary. And so it's important to understand that these would be the key people who are thinking about their retirement continuously. And they are, they know that, you know, with that slight increase in risk, uh, they could potentially do it safely and securely if they have the right strategy in place for them to transition from uh, a passive property investment strategy to an active property investment strategy. Let's talk a, a bit about the transitions. Um, side of these, the, the, the benefits of the transition of you, you know, not doing buy and hold, but you're doing buy and develop. One of the key things that I can really think about from a transition perspective is, you know, you are creating profits or manufacturing your own equity at your own free will. 
Um, and, you know, taking control of that is quite important when it comes to property development. You know what your profit looks like, you know, might be being mindful as to, okay, these are the key things that you do. Uh, and if you do that, you should be able to hit a profit at a particular point. Of course, you know, the education is quite important and quite key when you're talking about business of development or business of property. Um, but taking that gamble out of the property market, be it renovations, be it through developments, uh, be it through small scale developments, is one of the key benefits that I, uh, that I see of, you know, you transitioning it out um, of buy and hold strategies. What other benefits that you can think of, Cheryl? I'd say even from a, a personal satisfaction point of view, you know, you've, and I know this is a bit touchy-feely, but, you know, you, you, you've talked to sort of uh, the mechanics around it going, you know, it's where from an income perspective. But I think a lot of people have this inner urge to be more creative, to create as well. And this allows people to, to do that in a space where, you know, if you've got property and you're renovating, you know, that you're, you're managing some level of risk. And I think it, it's, it's almost a, a bit of a dip your toe in the water of doing something that's outside of your comfort zone without breaking the bank, so to say. So I would say that's one of the things where people are going, I want to create a business outside of my, my normal income, but I don't want to have to create a whole new idea or anything else. You know, real estate has been around for thousands of years. It's, you know, there, there's been, been proven formulas. You know that if you're following some sort of a formula that you are getting mentored or you're getting guided, realistically, you can't go too wrong, right? You need to manage that risk. But I think, but like I said, for people who go, you know, I don't want to have to think up a whole new idea of the next, the next Amazon or whatever. This is something that that they can still get their hands into. What do you think about that? Yes, 100%. And I think uh, what you're referring to is the replicability of, you know, you doing the business quite easily and quite quickly, right? And so one of the things that I was mentioning to a client the other day was when you think about property development in specific, you know, you're not chasing a client. You're not chasing potentially prospects to grow your business. All you're doing is you're finding the numbers where it works for a particular property and you're acquiring it and creating more value out of that property, um, out of that particular mm. uh, strategy that you're following. And so that sense of completeness is quite important. That sense of knowing how far can you go with that business, if you know it correctly, if you're doing that transition correctly, is quite the key because what, what you're doing is you are very focused on creating cash and cash returns. You're very focused on you know, creating that money machine without being, you know, running for sales or marketing, etc. Of course, you know, there is a portion yeah. of sales and marketing yes. that comes through property development as well, right? Because you have to ultimately sell the product that you're building. But it's not so much about running after the sales for the clients or, or bringing the prospects in, etc. All of that. And so I truly felt, especially from my own transaction perspective, when I did the transition from, you know, buy and hold strategies to um, buy and develop strategies, there was a change in mindset, which was very, very important. And I know we've talked about this in one of the earlier podcasts in relation to killing the serviceability dependence, creating the cash flow and doing all of that, knowing that it's so easy to do if you know how to do it. And of course, you'll talk about that as to how to do it. But there are so many different things that you can do in the world of property development uh, where you can 
create instant serviceability for yourself through rooming houses, for example, or um, you can, yeah. you know, do small yeah. scale developments quite quickly and, and create chunky cash or cash and cash returns quite quickly. You can leverage your own relationships by being part of other people's projects. And so uh, one of the key things that I always say to people is it's not so much about you transitioning out of buying holding and doing property developments fully. Mm-hmm. It's about mixing the best of the two worlds together. Okay. And so if you do that successfully, you would get the benefits of both worlds. It's not so much about either or. I think a lot of people think that, oh, if I do property development, I'm going to just yes. do developments and I'm not going to do buy and hold. That's not really true uh, because buy and hold is still important yes. because land banking is important. You need to be in you need to be sure that you know you have future projects in the pipeline with you so that if you're finishing one you're going into the other project pretty much right away so Masa, i want to ask the question and i'm sure this comes up all the time where people are doing buy and hold and then sort of looking at you know what's the difference between sort of buy and hold and waiting for the market to pick up versus buy hold and the risk of development you know what are your thoughts around that yeah, definitely. And look, I think the important thing is that buy and hold is great. And so we're not saying that don't do buy and hold. The idea is that the next step of buy and hold is to buy, hold and develop. And it would be great to understand this with numbers. And so um, if you assume that, you know, there are, say, two people and uh, both and in both these scenarios, you're talking about four properties and each property is worth, say, $500,000. In the first scenario, we are talking about a person with a $2 million portfolio. And a second person, we are talking about a property portfolio of one and a half million plus that extra 500 that they are going to use the development. Okay. And so if you look at, you know, the Australian average growth of say 6% across the years of say 10 years, you know, you're talking about a portfolio value of person A, which goes from 2 million to 3.6 million. Okay. Assuming at a deposit of say 20%. You know, they would have an equity growth of roughly around $1.6 million, which you take away and understand from cash on cash perspective, you're talking about 30% cash on cash. Okay, great. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. The important thing in this scenario with this person is that, you know, the five properties that they're acquiring or the four properties that they're acquiring are all selected the right way. And so they're all delivering the returns that we are talking about. Okay. Now, if you take that example and assume in in the person's B scenario where they're transitioning into property development, all they're doing is they're still doing buy and hold for three properties, but they are using one of the extra properties to push developments on it and and create that extra amount of chunky cash coming back to them. And we know that an average development, when you look at the profits, you would be looking at absolute profit of $200,000 to $250,000, bare minimum on a smallest possible deal, right? Because you know, for deal to be worthwhile, that is the sort of money that you would be generating. And so if you assume the same scenario of 6% yield over 10% or over 10 years, what we are talking about is the 30% cash on cash on the first three properties. But the beautiful thing that happens with that extra money that you generate, say 200 to 250,000 every two years, for example, if they're doing that development every two years, that provides an extra $800,000 on top of the overall scenario that they have. And so in this scenario, particularly their overall portfolio gains comes to almost like $2.9 million. So it doubled the wealth compared to the same person who is doing buy and hold. And so all you're doing is you're absorbing a little bit of risk 
while you know pushing your you know net equity or net growth on super steroids and you're not talking about you know developers who are doing this on a regular basis you're not talking about developers who are scaling themselves from $250,000 developments to you know $2 million developments you know as they grow their portfolio quite on the on the development side yeah and so yeah that's you know it, the idea is to do it safely and consistently when it comes to development right it's not so much about oh i do one development and i don't do anything right yeah and so it, it and again the the conditions are obviously make sure you do your numbers not all the time you know it's not always that you're going to hit 250,000 in each deal and of course so you know, course. all these are conservative and 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 you know we're just creating scenarios but it's more to be able to say hey you can leverage without it being a huge risk exposure to you as well Definitely. particularly if you're looking at particularly if you're looking at properties where you know you've got an existing property you might renovate the front and then develop a duplex up the back something like that you still have an asset you still Definitely. have an asset and a value of, of the existing existing property so you know there are there are various levels of uh, risk exposure when you're doing development, which doesn't necessarily mean that you're knocking down everything and starting from scratch. So it, it, it is more like, okay, what is your risk after? How do you manage that risk? And then, then be able to ensure that you've got great returns that come out of it. If, if, it, if you are so inclined, to want to move from a more passive investor to uh, a more active investor slash. 100%. 100%. And you would see people arguing, right? And and you, you know, I hear this question all the time and people say that, oh, if I would have done the development or if I would have held the property for the same amount of time, I would have made the same amount of money. And that talks yeah. to the core of the question or the answer that you're talking about that, you know, you haven't educated yourself, you haven't done the development properly you haven't done it so that, you know, you can exactly know what a development profit and a growth profit looks like. And so if you're doing the development numbers properly and understand the development as your development profit should be, you know, exponential or on top of whatever the growth profit should look like. And so, you know, it comes back to, you know, making sure that, you know, you understand what you're doing. You, you, you know, you do that level of due diligence, you understand the risks, you know, you protect your margins of the developments, et cetera making sure that, you know, you're doing it safely and not taking excessive risk. And so it comes down yeah. to, yes, you know, you can create generational wealth, you can build a secondary business, you can kill the dependency on the serviceability, you can have a business that, you know, can travel generations for your kids, etc. But you mm-hmm. can't discount the risks that comes with these transaction transition, right? Of yeah. course, you know, people talk the good side, but they don't talk the bad side of this stuff as well. And so, Let's talk a bit about, you know, what are the risks and the transitions or the, what are the mistakes that people make in these transactions that you see all the time? And ultimately, yeah. you know, doing it safely not only requires education, but experience, right? And so forming JV or, or, or forming part of Absolutely. those, you know, deals where, you know, there is experienced people whose job has been or whose the whole lifestyle has been mm-hmm. delivering these projects, you know, get, get yourself known to some of these things, you know. I always say this, that, you know, uh, people naturally, when they are stepping into development world, you know, they feel that, okay, this is progression. This is progress. Great, right? Uh, but the f- one of the biggest pillars of resistance of the progress is 
these three words that you keep hearing that people say it's not necessary. No, everything is necessary yeah. when it comes to development. When you talk about development, you can't just skip the hoops. You know, this is not so much buy and hold where, you know, you can sell it later and still recoup the money or, you know, you could sell it later and still break even development. A bad development can actually wipe the asset base completely away from you. Right. And so yeah. you hear so yeah. many horror stories. Yeah, you get stuck halfway through a bill, no one wants to touch it. <laughs> Definitely. And so there is a massive holding cost where it's not just you being impacted by this, your family is being impacted by this. You know, you are in a completely different mindset. And so if you don't have that strong support group, you would be struggling quite significantly. And so a lot of people think that when you go into these developments, uh, it's all that chunky money. And so they have this 400 or 500,000 sitting on the side. They'd be like, okay, I'm going to go out and do development. No, you need the cash flow is still as important and as relevant. And if you don't have that yeah. cash flow coming through, the market can take turns, you know, COVID, no COVID, interest rate rises. And you can be in a position where you have to hold. And if you don't have the capacity to hold, you can see yourself burning through cash, mm. which would be a profit, right? And so it's important to understand mm. um, and relate to some of these as to the transition is great. It's so awesome. You can make a lot of money, but you can burn a lot of money if you don't have the proper strategy in place or if you're not doing it yeah. for people you raise a good point about you know and i know i mentioned around just understand what your capacity and your your own resources and all of that like the point of having jvs it doesn't mean that just because you don't have the time or it's not the priority like development has so many aspects of it right so you can joint venture if you've got the cash but you don't necessarily have the skills or have the capacity to to do the day-to-day -day running around and project management joint venture with someone so definitely there's always a solution around it, it, it it's all around how much the, you know how, how committed you are to making it happen you can make it happen you just have to sort of go you know massage it a bit to to form to form the the dough so that it can rise you know it's it's just adding little ingredients. So I think that's a Definitely. really important point you raised. Definitely. No, hundred percent. And I think one other mistake that I always see people making, especially when they are in the transition or when they've made the transition, is that because they are not doing buy and hold, they move completely into this, you know, this mindset of, okay, I'm going to do developments mm -hmm. on, on the ongoing basis. They don't think about their own pipelines. And so what they do is they go into this, you know, phase of in desperation because you know you might have quit your job for example in order to do developments and you see you know people talking about oh, quitting jobs and becoming a full-time developer great but it creates this sense of okay i need to make enough money to put the food on the table i need to create that sort of cash flow and so you sometimes end into this desperate state of you know doing a development where might, the times might not be right or you might not be able to find the right property i was speaking to a developer a friend uh, the other day and you know a lot of experience this guy has you know over 14 years of experience in doing development right but the problem was that they wanted to jump onto the next site and they were so desperate to kick it off that they were looking at deals that they shouldn't be looking in the first place right and so a deal next to a power line a deal where you know that you cannot you know reestablish the grv or the sales you know you, sh you should not be cutting corners you know it's not it's everything is necessary again to the same point. And so, you know, again, you know, people who are taking the transition, 
you know, you need to ensure that, you know, you don't just forget buy and hold and do completely, you know, property development. It's a, it's a cycle of doing both and doing both successfully while creating cash flow for yourself. Yeah. I, the one point that I realized also is, particularly I'd say business owners and less, less so PAYG, because PAYG generally you've got some level of stability. And this is not so much the risk, it's more so just because you're starting up a business or you're in business or whichever, don't feel that you can't go into development because you don't have sensibility. Yes. Yeah, because we, we are so accustomed to, to think that before we can go and buy property or whatever, that we need to have sensibility and we need to have income. And more. The, the, I guess the, the benefit about development and depending on the scale of the development, that you can leverage commercial rendering. You can be more creative with your finance. Yes. You, know, you have some cash, someone else So, right? This is, it, it's more a comment towards the pros of development and to not let the serviceability hurdle be the thing that stops you. Because as I've said a few times, it, it's about finding solutions. Definitely. And so, one of the ways that, you know, again, coming back to the pros, that the that you are killing the serviceability dependency by going into the development is because when you are looking at commercial financing and what you are talking about is that it's all about the deal in itself and so what your exit strategy is who your builder is who is your development manager how much profit is in the deal and the deal itself is looked at and funding or the construction finance is provided against the deal so it's not you as a person who can actually service the loan it's about the deal in itself and how profitable the deal is. And so, you know, that transition helps people break away those ties from serviceability and, you know, excel in making more money. Um, I was talking to my, uh, my wife yesterday and we were talking about something completely different and random. And I said to her that I've been pondering about this, that, you know, as a kid, you hear people say that money makes money. And yeah. you truly think about how money can truly make money when you start doing developments because you can scale up so fast. You know, you can see that, you know, 200,000 might not get you where you want to get to, but, you know, 500,000 gives access to you to better deals, bigger deals. And so, of course, bigger deals means bigger yeah. risks. And so how do you make sure that, you know, you are, you know, safely and securely cutting the ties from serviceability while going into, you know, property development space and creating more net wealth for yourself ultimately that's what the outcome is that everyone is trying to reach right yeah yeah and and again on that point is the mindset around you know if you've got some money but even if you don't have money right there's what we call other people's money <laughs> yes. which in that you can leverage definitely to 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 make money as well so it all comes down to if you're what what you're trying to achieve the more that you the whole point is the more that you educate yourself, the more that you network with people and surround yourself with people who are of a similar mindset where it's all around problem solving. It's all around finding solutions. Deals can happen. And so if the intention is to be able to go from the, the typical buy and hold, again, a great strategy to be able to go to another different strategy where it's a little bit, little bit more involved, a little bit riskier, obviously can be managed. It is just a matter of like, what do I need? What do I need to do to make it happen? Yes, definitely, definitely. And to close off the conversation, look, I think one of the important things that we discussed at the start of this episode is, 
you know, when you're talking about developments, you don't want to, or you don't need to start with a bank, right? Everyone thinks that I need to do a four unit side or a six unit side or a three unit side or, a, or even a duplex, right? You don't need to. You can start really, really small, save the property at the front, build one at the back, you know, change the configuration of the house, a three bedroom, one bathroom to a four bedroom, two bath, or, or do a conversion, you know, you know, create a single isolated self-contained one bedroom unit and a three bedroom, one bath, you know, the, the smallest sort of developments where, you know, you're only spending twenty to $30,000 creating an equity of, you know, about 100, 250 in some scenarios, right? And so it doesn't have to be with the bank. It, you need to be slow and gradual in making sure that, you know, you're taking baby steps towards the bigger developments. Thank you very much for tuning in. Keep smiling, keep investing. This is Moss and Cheryl speaking out. Adios. Ciao, ciao. Bye.